it's gained for riffs. Yeah, we are back. It's uh, probably Wednesday or whenever you're listening. For us, it's Friday. Um, Friday again, and we are heading in for a, a bit of a, a special. It's time for another special. Mm, and what a special it is. It's Maiden Mania. Again, it's for mm. Maiden Mania. So it's time to really dive into one of my first favorite bands and uh, always favorite bands, which is Iron Maiden. And I Iron guess it differs Maiden. a little bit to what we did with Metallica, because there we had like full-on focus, both of us. And Metallica is a really riff-strong band, which most Maiden fans will admit that Maiden is not really a, a very riff-based band. So I guess that's where I want to want you to come in with your like comment on how has it been preparing for for this episode for Ulle the riff well, master. Well, maybe that was my uh, thought as well before I started riffing, but then uh, or playing uh, Iron Maiden. But then I noticed it's, it's quite a lot of riffs. Like every song yeah, it actually has like six, seven, eight, <laughs> and then there's yeah. like lead riffs, three solos uh, uh, yeah. on average. You know, there's a lot going on, yeah. and uh, yeah. there's a lot of fun things going on as well. I was re- uh, pleasantly surprised, and I became like a Maiden fan again, because cool. I used to be a big Maiden head, but uh, uh, now I'm there again. <laughs> only, yeah. almost only listened exclusively to Iron Maiden the last few weeks. Just to, for me to kind of go back and, and look at Ole, the young Maiden fan, I'm not too mm. familiar with this guy. Uh, was it like Live After Death, or what, what was your... Your uh, maiden base, indeed. Uh, the first one of the first records uh, that me and my brother bought that was actually metal was Live After Death from 1985. It just turned 35 years uh, a couple of true. weeks ago, well, like last yeah. week. And uh, yeah, we were listening to this like back to back all the time. It was just one uh, CD, as I remember. So it wasn't the second CD with with. Um, uh, which I don't care about so much. In my world, there's only one CD. It <laughs> <And> starts <laughs> yeah, with well, Aces High with the the speech of Churchill, and it ends. Um, yeah, <laughs> I should have looked. Maybe Power Slave, something <laughs> like this. No, Rhyme of the Nay. Hallowed be thy name. Maybe something like this. Cool ending, but uh, recorded yeah. on um, Long Beach in uh, California, right? Yeah, with the same uh, mobile studio, the Rolling Stone mobile that was used on most of the classic Deep Purple albums. And the same producer at that, same mm. technician, Martin Birch, rest in peace. And he mm. uh, yeah, he was kind of, he did Made in Japan, right? Not to be confused with Made in Japan, which is you know, <laughs> a spoof on that, but Made in Japan with Deep Purple, he did that. And it was kind of a legendary live album. So I think they had, you know... They knew that they were going to do a live album at some point, and I think waiting five albums in was uh, a good move on their part, because you really have like a body of work to to base it on, and I think it's a good place to start with Maiden, and of course the awesome cover, maybe their best yeah. sleeve illustration. Yeah, for sure. I mean, their their Derek Riggs really comes to his own with uh, their mascot Eddie coming up from the grave. You know, with with the city skyline in the back and the cat and the, on, and the moon and <laughs> like the, yeah. these flames, these very airbrushed flames coming out. It looks sure, sure. like a million bucks. It's great. They should yeah, have paid yeah. him more. And I did send you right uh, the Van Gogh classic, like Star- Starlit Night or whatever it's called, uh, yeah. Midnight, and how it kind of he must have looked at that for color scheme and yeah, and why not this position of of this art piece, which you know. Uh, for sure. It's a nice adaptation, I think, and ties in with our semi-Dutch origin of this podcast, right? <laughs> how, how many percents of, of Gaining for Riffs is, is, is a Dutch podcast? Uh, like about 95, about 35% is uh, Dutch <laughs> is podcast. Dutch. And the rest is yeah. American. Yeah, that's right. American, man. But today, but today we're on the British Isles. They are so British, right? This band. I mean, they in in the in the middle point where they were gonna switch singers. They had like hundreds of great applicants, but they instantly ruled out anyone that was not British. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, in a way, I could see it not working with an American frontman in Iron Maiden. What would you say? How how would that be for you? Like for your experience? Uh, Sounds. Yeah. Listen, I. I love Paul Leano and I but I you know I adore Bruce Dickinson 
Blaze Bailey, you know, he has a small place, like a scarred <laughs> place in my heart somewhere because he came in and he did the job uh, bravely, I must say. But uh, ultimately, you know, you know, he's he's not the ma- uh, maiden singer. There are two, and yeah. one has been with them for a long time. And an American singer, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that will work. Now even Paul, like the bad boy of them all, as he got older, he got softer. And even he said that the real singer of Our Maiden is Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, Blaze would say, because they're good buddies. They've always been good buddies. And they, Bruce said that he likes meeting Blaze because he knows it's the only other person that understands this tough job <laughs> to front yeah. Our Maiden and that they have this kind of kinship going on. And I mean, arguably, he did some of the toughest work in the band keeping the fort in the yeah. <laughs> dark years right the dark years of the 90s yeah, but imagine being like a substitute teacher you know you're like you're, oh, okay I'm, I'm supposed to go and teach this class but the class is like steve harris dave murray <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what the fuck and nico mcbrain like what, what are these grown-up kids like overgrown kids you know they want to go and play uh, yeah. heavy metal all ac- across the world and no one likes me to begin with, but here I am, the substitute teacher. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Absolutely pretty terrible much. gig. And I think like from that basis, I could feature a first riff and, and take it from this very oh, era, the, 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 Bla- the Blaze era. Yeah, here we go, Let's folks. The first riff out of uh, Gain It For Riffs, Maiden Mania. Let it rip. I'm probably not going to play it completely correctly because Harry's mixed in all these completely arbitrary beats of five eights in it and i can't i just can't <laughs> memorize it but you will still feel the riff and maybe you will know which song it is even though it's from the blaze era so it goes yeah, i like can this. i can count uh, like one bit not included have you do you have you heard this riff it's a bit of a heavy <laughs> riff for a maiden riff again the riff it's... is that part uh, it, i mean it, it sounds like it could be uh like this virtual reality riff <laughs> but i'm not sure <laughs> actually i'm you know i don't listen to these uh two albums regularly so i have to uh, ask you to tell me which song it is yeah, it's uh, from uh, a really good song of that era, actually, mm. called Sign of the Cross. Mm. And it's the very first song you would hear his vocals on. Uh, but uh, that album is, is, is a tough nut. You know, they spent one and a half years making it, which is incredibly long for Iron Maiden. Yeah. It's as long as the Black Album, and it's not as good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just not. There's like a lo- loads of weird material on it. It's the only time when they also skipped songs. You know, like the pop bands do. You write more songs than you can fit. And mm. it suffers from this, you know, 80 minutes of music now on CD type <laughs> deal. Yeah, with also like with new singer. <laughs> yeah, sticker. and he's quite new low in sticker. the mix. You know, he's a little low. bit low in the mix as well. So you get the feeling that they're hi- hiding a little bit, that he's not as strong a singer as mm. Bruce maybe. But that said, Bruce did two pretty bad albums prior to this, mm. I think. Like he when he tried to go for this rock and roll Axel Rose style. He was, you know, starting to wear leather jackets with wife beaters and and singing with his raspier tone. Oh, it's no prayer for the dying or what this uh Yeah, and Fear of the Dark. Fear of the Dark. I mean Fear of the Dark arguably has their you know, their most live the the, the favorite song of almost anyone that goes to see them live. Uh, sure. And uh, I've addressed before that I'm never going to be the guy that's like, oh, I don't need Fear of the Dark live just because I've listened to them for so long. I still think about, you know, all the kids, basically, <laughs> you know. A lot of people are seeing Maiden for the first time. Mm. And of course they want the... <laughs> and they played it so much, so they played really good live. Yeah. A lot better than the album version. But 
Yeah, we're currently on sign of the cross anyway. It comes in with this, you know, from, uh, you know, this medieval story it was a movie called Name of the Rose. Um, and in, yeah, and with the, the priests, uh, the monks in the, um, oh, yeah, you tell me. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know much about this film. I just know that during this period on X Factor, uh, Steve Harris had like a triple divorce. Because mm. he divorced, divorced his then wife, uh, Martin Birch, the producer, went into pension and Bruce left the band. So he spent a lot of time, I think, watching <laughs> VCR tapes, you know, okay. and, uh, and kind of wondering uh, his, his purpose in life. So many of these songs on X Factor is just, you know, his recollections of seeing films, and as is mm. this one, Sign of the Cross. But it's been featured live a lot later. Bruce kind of adopted it. Mm. And I think it's a bit rare that uh, Bruce comes in and he's constantly been doing Blaze-era songs. Uh, you wouldn't see, uh, for example, Ozzy Osbourne doing that. You know, uh, coming back to doing Dio Sabbath, songs Sabbath and, and sing, you know, Eternal Idol and, and Dio songs. You know, of course uh, no, definitely even. not. <laughs> but even if he could, I think he wouldn't, right? No, but exactly. I mean, it's uh, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's not. I would I would say it's not it's not a professional thing to do to uh, not sing uh, those songs because they are, they're part of the band. But I mean, it's the. I mean, if if you have an ego like these guys, I mean, why would you? You know, you want to sing yeah. the songs also that your voice fits. Uh, Ozzy's voice doesn't fit uh, Dio's songs. It's just uh, true. simple as that. Uh, but I mean, Dio with lyrics. Uh, but with uh, Bruce Dickinson, I mean, he is more open to this, of course, with uh, yeah, appropriating the Paul Diano era songs. I mean, easily. Of course. And also, you got to think about the fact that uh, Steve Harris wrote so many of the lyrics. And arranged the vocals, so he's always singing others' material in this band. Mm. Even though Bruce has been, you know, a fairly prolific songwriter in the band, he still sings a majority of the songs he sings are not his lyrics, but Steve's. Oh, yeah. And Steve's arrangements, which sometimes are very stiff, you know, it's kind of like he's really <laughs> like this band Hitler, right? This band leader, super stubborn and he comes in with his vocal melodies that he writes on bass and whistling that's how he writes the music of our maiden he whistles oh, really? and plays bass <laughs> yeah what he, he, wi he whistles like and he whistles the the guitar melody on top of his bass yeah or exactly what? yeah he whistles the guitar melody on top of his bass Amazing. and then the uh, vocal pattern often follow the bass or the guitar melody and sometimes in a non-vocalist type way so bruce had a lot of problem with this and they clinched over it time and time again but uh, Steve won in the long run. Like now Bruce is fine doing these sometimes very stiff vocal arrangements. Mm -hmm. You know, non-vocalist like, more like riffing out on the on the vocals with the the lyrics to go with them. Okay. Yeah, same with this song, you know, Blaze Bailey is not credited on Sign of the Cross. Usually these big epics it's Harry's only, you know, he's making his mark. But uh, well, I, I think I... like yeah, continue. Maybe I'm I'm more um I really I think I've listened more to like the Clansman uh it's a good the epic Blaze Bailey era uh music. Yeah. That's really become like a live anthem. It's huge live. Yeah. All over the world it really works and you know it sounds good with Blaze. It's one of the songs that kind of is in the pocket for him, but it sounds maybe slightly better with, with Bruce. <laughs> at least live, you know. Yeah, it's hard I to top Bruce Dickinson. I, I have, um, you know, I have two friends, two brothers, uh, Oscar and Albin. Uh, I don't know if they're listening. I, I will, I will tell them that I made the Maiden special because you know it's oh, kind yeah. of a tribute to them. Also, so shout out. They were really like the Maiden boys. They, they had maybe only Maiden albums, a bit like Niflheim yeah, yeah. uh, style. And we would listen. We would sit in the room, so room, and we would listen to. Uh, um, Man on the Edge, you know, and oh, the yeah. Clansman, and kind of they they were painting these Warhammer figures, and I was sitting there <laughs> reading comic books. I mean, it's perfect. So so good. That's really what it is, right? It's an it's a nerd's band, you know. If you, dear listener, haven't caught up on that obvious fact, uh, this is a nerd type band. You know, there's no way to even try and cover that up. <laughs> but I <laughs> but think I mean, also Bruce put it quite nicely in an interview rather recently. When someone asked him, as you know, as as journalists do, like, what's the what's the secret, what's mm. the power behind Iron Maiden and becoming bigger than they ever have been, 
now, you know, in in the twenty in the uh, yeah in this millennia, basically, they've been mm-hmm. just growing and growing. And what he said is like they're doing something maybe a bit naive or daft, as he said, yep. being a Brit, uh, but they're doing it with uh, ferocity. They're also being fierce as they do this. <laughs> and I think it's kind of, you know, what Maiden do. They yep. they play or they write music like kids, but they perform it like athletes or professionals. And yeah. in that combination, there's something. I, I thought you were going to say that, uh, they, they write the music like kids and they perform it as men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think so. I really athletes, think so. I think, is more uh, apt. That is an apt description, yeah. and I, I agree. I mean, you see them live; they're fucking athletes. They're running around <laughs> like crazy, sixty years old uh, almost. Yeah, you know? yeah. Jumping, uh, throwing Jumping. their guitars around their neck, uh, looking at you, yeah. Yannick, and uh, it's amazing. I mean, like first time I saw them, and Bruce has this zip line that is flying across the stage with, yeah. and thirteen-year-old me wasn't even questioning that. I was like, yeah, of course, Bruce has a zipline, you know. That's, that's an obvious, that's a given. <laughs> mm. you know? And when I think back at it, it's like, who has a zipline on stage flying around in between the different parts of stage? Like, that's, that's a really weird prop, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's how they do it. And I think it, it kind of capsulates the, the, the point of this band. And I also, I would think, I would venture guess that if you haven't got into Maiden by the age of 18, you're probably not going to become a, a huge Maiden fan, you know. Uh, that's very uh, highly likely, I think. Yeah. Highly unlikely that you would become a fan after the age of 18. But, I mean, they can also, you know, they, they have such power because they, um, I mean, we'll get to this maybe, that they, they to- they're touring and they're touring schedule. But I, w- I would like to play a little bit before, uh, before I like, lose my sense yeah, in my I was, fingers. I was going to say, like, I, I, I'm curious to just land anywhere in their discography and yeah. uh, let this happen by you picking a riff. Okay, um, so sign of the cross. Interesting. Interesting. Is it, uh, how how does the how is the chorus in that one? If you could sing uh, a little. Bit. It's yeah, I can't sing it. It's pretty hard to sing. The name of the rose. You know, I, I can't oh, sing it. The name of the rose. It's with Sh- yeah. yeah, it's with Sean Connery, right? It's kind of a detective story among monks in the. Uh, monastery, yeah, like as that. I remember. Yeah, and, and I mean, the reason I picked this riff is it has this kind of gain it for riffs tone, you know, the riff tone, mm-hmm. the minus five, and Maiden don't use it that often. Yeah. So it's like a little bit more menacing, than, but it still sounds very Maiden. Oh, yeah. Okay, now it's 20 minutes in, I have to play something, I feel. Yeah, Sorry. for sure, for sure. And I was going to say, like, I'm not going to linger too long on Sign of the Cross. It's just uh, starting at a weird point, and let's see where you bring us. All right. Back in the village, I'm back in the village again. There's a fox among the chicken <laughs> tables <laughs> overturn. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny song, right? And I did, uh, I did an extra segment for this uh, Iron Maiden special when I talked to the uh, the boys, the Finnish boys in Maiden Podden, and this is one of the riffs they they picked. Yeah, uh, as a request. So I, I also learned it subsequently. It's a very fun riff with that kind of. Uh, it's very southern, like you know. And then that uh, injustice for all type. Yeah. 
<laughs> so good. Yeah, I've been about to send this song to you for a bit, but then I thought that maybe he's gonna find it himself. And I was <laughs> definitely pleased that you brought this riff out first, because I think this is the the most Reverend John Loth riff of all Iron Maiden mm. riffs. Yeah, it, it's it has a lot of parts, and it, actually, it's um, I would say it's uh, all in all, it's not a fantastic song, and it maybe. Because of Bruce Dickinson in this one, I think it's a kind of lackluster. In the the chorus is very lackluster, but not in the riff department. In the riff department, Adrian Smith is pulling shit out of the bag that I never seen. You know, like the 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 chorus riff, like. Alltså jag är så kall om händerna. Det är det går knappt att spela. Så jag får se. Jag får ja, skitsamma. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. nice, and uh, but also like the 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 beautiful uh, pre-chorus, it's great. Oh yeah. Um, and you can really but, hear but, the Adrian Smith flavor that he uses these type of chords, right? That uh, what we would call ACDC power yeah. chords, right? Yeah. Um, but I do remember, re- recall listening to like I never owned Power Slave, uh, which this song is on. Um, yeah. And uh, but I do know the songs, you know, like the the famous songs, and this is kind of you know. Uh, a deep cut, I would say, in their discography. But it's also kind of the fastest and hardest to play uh, songs as well, which makes it really yeah. fun. Um, also because it's the kind of crazy, crazy stuff going on, especially on that album. Uh, yeah. Like um, that album the Steve, is wild. Yeah, the Steve Harris uh, songs are also kind of uh, similarly crazy. That they. They really found this, like in the uh, Lost for Words, and um, I'm not oh, going to yeah. play that one, but just the, the riff that you highlighted also from this song. The... That it, it's, <laughs> it's so like, yeah. yeah, this is, okay, this is a funny thing that I learned. You can kind of <laughs> hammer on out of nowhere, and you just yeah. s- s- string these together. It sounds fucking amazing. Let's do it like <laughs> four times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I remember. If I remember, "Lost for Words" is a fun one too. Uh, it goes in in three, four, right? Da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. So like that whole album has. Uh, let's see if you agree. This kind of vitamin D feeling, you know. It's like uh, speaking of them as athletes. This is at their peak. Yeah, you know, they just they, all of them are running 10k in the morning after partying last night. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, the kind it, of vibe it, you get. It is really like a show of force, and it's kind of. Um, I think if you look at the the first. Uh, I mean, this is the third album with. Bruce Dickinson already on the album right. before that, uh, they started to kind of um, uh, because they, they already peace of mind is very different from uh, Number of the Beast. Uh, after having listened to these albums quite a lot, like the uh, last few weeks, uh, that they kind of um, came together, you know, as a, as a band uh, technically, and also yeah. you know the production is so. Uh, spot on, but also very clean um, and perfect. There's still like rough stuff on uh, Number of the Beast, I think. Um, sure. But on on Power Slave, there's no roughness. Uh, it's just like it's so That's perfectly right. executed, except maybe the like the <laughs> the chorus on this <laughs> particular yeah. song. But it's still good. I, I still like it. Back in the village. Um, village. I mean, you said it was a deep cut, and I would I would go as far as to say it's the deep cut. If someone, you know, if you want to test someone on their maiden, 
uh, knowledge, yeah. you know, or made in fandom. If they bring out back in the village, then you're pretty much set. You know, you're gonna have a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, I mean, it's, it's nice to go into this uh, just uh, this first. But it's about stemma. So we have the, the first riff, it just, just starts. <laughs> it just starts. The yeah. song just starts. It just starts. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> well, anyway, I mean, you know, you know, we played it enough, but it's just like... It just starts. It, and yeah. It's just there, and it's like a fu- a super fast all the way through. And you know, I I, I have trouble <laughs> keeping can up. Can you guess? Uh, can you guess which mode it is in? Like, if I give you the clue that it's one of my favorite modes, uh, Mixolydian. No, uh, no, 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 the Dorian. Exactly, it's Dorian. It's Dorian again. mode, often used by Thin Lizzy and often used by Early Maiden. I mean, this is not really Early Maiden, but uh, that note, you know, the, you're in A minor, but instead of yeah. having the the very sad sixth of uh, F. You do F sharp instead. So you get, you know. And you get all of a sudden this casino-like or, you know, smoky vibe that you hear yeah. in, uh, I feature this riff uh, like uh, months back. The oh, actually that was Twilight Zone by Iron Maiden. <laughs> but it's stolen from this riff that I now can't remember. Uh, I don't believe a word, Thin Lizzy, right? Oh yeah, and there's a ton of Thin Lizzy in Iron Maiden, and mm. I didn't hear that when I was a kid. It's just when I got older, I heard like, okay, if you take Deep Purple and Thin Lizzy, you're quite close, and add but UFO, Jethro yeah. Tull, you know. But they kind of do exact the exact same type of uh, harmonies, guitar harmonies as well. Um, sure, sure. One guitarist uh, playing one thing, and the other guitarist playing very similar, very close next next to uh but but uh, and you know like a, not really an octave up but what actually i wanted to ask you like what how um uh could you define the the maiden guitar harmony for me uh sure i could it would be a small departure just for example into a song we all know uh, the trooper mm. from from the album prior i didn't bring this riff for the show but it's yeah, but good you know to just up. kind of exemplify how they harmonize so you have you have you know the the basic um, chord structure from the bass. Yeah. Just E and C. So just switching between those, and then Dave Murray on the on the high melody. The so this is like. Uh, you know, a typical a, a E minor type melody, right? With yeah. the, going from the second to the third on the drill. And then you have the fifth. And you have the tonic. And the, the minor seventh. The most normal notes, you know, <laughs> imaginable. And then you'll find underneath, uh, usually Adrian goes underneath with the, the melody that is not the lead. So in this case, something like... And then you, you almost don't even recognize the melody, right? Mm. But what, what it really does, it fills out this e, major, e minor chord. If you look at the neck, you can just see how the chord starts building up. And now that they have three guitars, Janik yeah. uh, plays that and Adrian goes an octave lower. lower. He mm. often does that now with three guitars. So you have the... <laughs> But it is interesting, um, you know, because it, when I started, you know, like, oh, shit, what should I play? Like, every song seems to feature a, uh, a dual lead uh, guitar harmony, you know. And uh, But I did, I did look in between those, and there are a lot of riffs. Um, uh, you know, it's such an effective way for Maiden to structure their songs that you have. Uh, in this song, you don't have a killer chorus, but, you know, let's speak ideally. Ideally, you have like a cool intro that kicks in. Maybe the bass and drums are doing some kind of pause type thing, mm. you know, to kick things off. And then you head, uh, head first into a verse, maybe a build up uh, or bridge riff, chorus, back to the verse, build up bridge, chorus, maybe a little <coughs> breakdown or, uh, you know, stop riff. 
And mm. then you, they always have within their artillery to bring out, of course, the solos with very significant character for each guitarist. And then also the harmonies and sometimes multiples. I call it like the Steve Harris lead marathon or a lead, you know, uh, passing the torch from lead to lead. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, if I wrote the song, I would be happy with one or two of those. But he decides <laughs> to do five, you know, yeah, just yeah, trading yeah. each other off. And uh, Back in the Village is also a good example in the middle. Uh, I'll, add, I'll add that bit to this show. Mm. Nice. Uh, well, let's move on. Uh, do you have a riff? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you played some stuff yeah. in between, but give me a riff. Sure. Uh, I'll go to um, a little bit back to back to where it began, I guess, mm. uh, to showcase uh, maybe another side of of the sound. song also has a lot of clean uh, plucked parts like uh, uh, quite a beautiful basic chord work also E minor and I had to bring out Remember Tomorrow because we addressed it before uh, with Uncle Acid uh, last week actually and uh, <laughs> also Metallica did a cover and uh, Lars Ulrich famously claimed that they based uh, Fate to Black, Sanitarium and One on, on this song, you know. <laughs> and I think um, One surpasses it and brings something completely new but in, um, in Sanitarium and Fate to Black you can definitely sense this type of riff chorus, right? The... <laughs> Also, it's instrumental, just as in Fade to Black. Uh, and the riff, you know, you can feel the 70s in it. It's not yet 80s. Because you have to realize Maiden started in 1975. Yeah. And wrote a lot of the songs for the first couple of albums. So the first two Iron Maiden albums are really 70s hard rock. Or what would you say? Unchained the colors before my eyes Yesterday's sorrows Tomorrow's white lies And the horizon The clouds take me higher I shall return From out of the <laughs> yeah. I had also picked it. I was like, <laughs> so yeah. I think it's nice a fantastic rendition. song. Yeah, and I mean, this is uh, what I want to try and do in this episode is to, because Maiden is a diverse team of songwriters. Mm. So I want to try and give everyone some love. And in this song, obviously, it's a Steve Harris song, but also it's uh, mel vocal melodies and lyrics by Paul Diano, which he didn't yeah. do that often. And it's inspired by his grandfather who was like, yeah, you know, remember tomorrow. Kind of like a nicer way to say yesterday don't mean shit. Tomorrow's the day you have to face. Mm. <laughs> Which Phil Anselmo did. And I think also like the soulfulness in these verses is kind of unparalleled in, in, in this genre. Mm. You know, I haven't heard that in, in New Wave of British Heavy Metal that you really get into that 
soulful, old psychedelic 70s vibe, right? Uh, like you no, for sure. very nicely demoed for all of us. Yeah, but I agree with what you say also that they, they really are a band out of the 70s. They started already, well, 76, right? Or something like this. Steve Harris even. started the band yeah. together with uh, yeah. Dave Murray. I mean, after a while, it was the, the lineup changes are not, I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> there are too many to count. The, the first the, five the years, real they start. are crazy. Yeah, and uh, Dave was in and out of the band also because he fought with the singer at the time, Dennis Wilcock. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. over a woman or something but yeah so he was in and out and he wasn't there from the very start in 75 but he is kind of you know he is kind of the the other guy the other standard guy but mm -hmm. yeah to even go through all those lineup changes is not uh, worth it you know it's not as easy as to say that Dave Mustaine got kicked out and sent home on a Greyhound bus <laughs> this <laughs> no, one is but, a bit more complex no but it, it is nice that they you know, they started out and it, they did the very uh, British thing of uh, playing in pubs, and sure. uh, which to a Swedish ear might sound like, oh, this is weird. I mean, they, they start, okay, the pub, you know, where do they play, you know, but then, I mean, it is, we do the same things here, but I, I don't know, was it even a stage, like in that pub, or were they just like, like standing there uh, yeah. next I to the bar? Arguably more... Uh, primitive now in some instances because at that okay. time you do you know you, it was still you know it was still the dream of rock and roll mm. so everyone was trying to hit it bigger and some of the stages were proper good stages but in a yeah. way you know to go back to mastodon from last week they did the same thing they just went round and round on those as you can mockingly say shit stained islands you know uh, <laughs> with their famously green van and sleeping with these uh with eyes on the inside of the roof, you know, uh, because it was cold and, uh, you know, this kind of super unglamorous uh, style. But uh, I, I got, I got like, I don't know if it's because it's so cold, but I got a bit like uh, when you say they're sleeping with the eyes inside the roof, I was like looking up and there's like eyes looking at me and I get some psychedelic <laughs> parallel universe trip here. I'm yeah. freezing my ass I mean, off. It might be there. I, yeah. Just to get myself warm. I just I w wanted to play like uh, the riff after your riff. I think it's also fantastic. It's just like classic sure, Maiden. Just to keep myself yeah. warm. <laughs> but but, but really there, I just wanted to deep dive, uh, dive into that a little bit. This, um, the Maiden Gallop, which is, of yeah. course, a thing. I mean, it's a very important thing of the Maiden sound. And already on the first album, you know, there, there is already the Gallop. The and yeah. where did that come from, actually? It was a question I had prepared for you. Yeah. Like, where, where do you see, like, the influences for this? Because it's not, read, it's not that apparent to me, like, where does this style of galloping comes from but maybe you know right right i mean um, um steve harris plays bass with two fingers a lot of mm. people think three or even four but he plays with two and i think it's just the fastest he can play you know okay. this is my, me guessing i don't know the answer so it's a great question because normally i would know the answers to a maiden question but i think it's just to get as quick as possible okay. with his two fingers so he's yeah. like utilizing the, the maximum speed and as far as from where it comes from, I don't know. Maybe a riff like... Uh, that has like a slower... I like it, which note you stopped on. <laughs> <laughs> it has a slower gallop in it, right? And yeah. uh, it's a Viking theme intro song, uh, just as Invaders on, on Number of the Beast. And mm. I think Led Zeppelin definitely there. They did a communication breakdown cover as well. Yeah. Uh, so they've been wearing their influences on their sleeves a, a lot like Metallica. It's just that Metallica are better at making covers their own songs. Yeah. Like uh, not many people dive into Maiden's covers, even though some are pretty cool. And uh, yeah, communication breakdown. What else do they play? They play a lot of Beckett. They play um, uh, Cross-eyed Mary, which is also completely not a gallop, actually. Cross-eyed mm. Mary, Viatrotal, Massacre, Thin Lizzy. Mm. Does Thin, Thin Lizzy, do they, they don't really gallop, right? They are more on the third, um, uh, on the triplets. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. 
exactly. which often are used by Maiden too. Like Maiden have two modes on those early albums. One is the gallop, and the other one is the triplet, like uh, mm. in Lost for Words, you know. Or um, yeah, a few songs, the Dualists, uh, where Eagles there. But um, where does the Maiden gallop come from? You know, but I mean, if you, but dear listener, have an idea, please tell me because I'm not sure. Yeah, but I like the the explanation that it comes from Steve Harris' uh, style of playing with two fingers. And yeah, yeah, I and, like and that. wanting that's to good. play fast. He loves fast tempos. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they had a lot of uh, discussions with that. Like Adrian Smith wants it more even, even tempered, uh, like a, a nice hanging tempo. And then Nico and Steve always wanted to play super fast. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's the explanation. Like uh, the fastest he could get out of his bass yep. came into this gallop. Not very good. Nice I that like you it. featured uh, some riffs there that I, I haven't played in ages, like the. Because <laughs> that's so Steve Harris, right? Yeah, sounds nice. Yeah, but I like. I also love the riff that you picked. The. Oi! Aha! I had. <laughs> <laughs> very nice very nice indeed. i think uh, when i hear it i think a little bit about uh this riff uh, let's turn off some effects here you know um, yes. black sabbath which are also there obviously there in the influence set Mm. the kit of influences right yeah but it's so it's so weird to think you know like who influenced who in uh that era because late i mean when when the dio joined black sabbath i mean I, arguably it moves more towards uh iron maiden to me yeah. i mean <laughs> it's, same producer it's really as well you know ah yeah of course important yeah. point but and, also uh, like you know metallica that they were metallica released their first album 83 about the first uh uh, demo 81 and uh, yep. Iron Maiden released their first album 1980 sure but they're like huge Maiden fans and it feels yeah. you know when you think about it like, oh, yeah they must have feels like they must have been like what they listened to when they were young but Metallica were super young <laughs> already yeah. you know when they started so of course they were, they were like immediately started playing um, off that influence that was so extremely new also it was like fresh music new wave of very much British heavy metal yeah. it was hip you know at a short short time in history, it was hit in the context with no internet, right? So Lars yeah. was really like this importer, you know, importer of culture. Like maybe he really sped up the the movement from from uh, across the Atlantic, if you will, right? Yeah, being Danish and and uh, you know bringing out these cool things because Hetfield said that uh, yeah, I listened to Van Halen and Aerosmith because that's what was out there, you know. And only later I found, you know, Iron Maiden and the new wave of British heavy metal, Motorhead and, and so forth, right? So uh, I think Lars was an important influencer, if mm -hmm. you want to use that dirty word. <laughs> metal oh, influencer. And uh, on the first album, yeah, the interview with the Maiden Podden guys, they requested this riff, which I guess is also like a classic. Uh, it's hardly even a riff, but it's a riff. Start so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice, nice. It, it is a riff. I think it's really nice because uh, Prowler, such a great opener of the first yeah. Iron Maiden album, and. Um, uh, right out of out of the gate, also with um, what is very you know apparent on the first Iron Maiden is that it's quite sloppily played uh, the instruments are, uh, uh, and in the a very in, in a very nice uh, although in a very in a very like perfect way uh, yeah. more punky way and I mean that's also what I, I was alluding to before when I was talking about peace of mind be, and the power slave being like perfect you know, technically. Um, yeah. The first 
two albums, or at least the first one. I mean, there's some sloppy things going on, but in a very nice way, though. I don't yeah. know, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think I would say they are super well rehearsed and um, well versed, versed in, in playing live at this point. So they play mm. really well, but the production doesn't really help them. It's super naked, yeah. which I love, you know. You were never going to hear Iron Maiden so unproduced ever again, yeah. <laughs> you know, in a way. And then they have all these great songs, like some of their best songs in their whole catalog, I think. Remember Tomorrow, also Phantom of the Opera needs a mention, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, re I really like that. Yeah. And the main verse riff is so <laughs> weird. So good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so strange. And there's no reference at all here. You know, they're playing with each other. So it's very yeah. arbitrary if it's even on a beat, you know. No, yeah, it starts on this. I I try to learn that, you know, like this. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but it's, it just starts on this hammer on like really weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has that to sing on it. Standing in yeah. the windshade, you wait for the curtain to <laughs> fall. Oh, but that's knowing that terror and holding you have us. Oh. Yeah, well, I know it, that you're gonna scratch me and maim me and maul. <laughs> you know I'm helpless from your mesmerizing cat call. <laughs> but it is really, it is really wild. The first album, like it's all over the place, and it's a lot of also on the second album, a lot, lot of effects, uh, guitar effects and sound effects and uh, things that yeah. I, I think, I think it's really like playful, uh, which they uh, sort of kind of stopped with uh, when they found their so sound, which is okay, but I, I really enjoy listening to the first one. Can we just play uh, Prowler together? <laughs> really yeah, nice. we, I mean, again, uh, we can't sync it, we're on delay, but I'll we'll try to sync it. You want me to do the rhythm? Yeah. All right, uh, I'll take off a little bit of my monitoring so I don't get lost when you play. <laughs> That was it. Yeah, it's a, what a nice little way to stack it up. And again, super simplistic uh, theory, musical theory. Not that mm. they knew any, but the, the melody is just the, the second, third, and fourth note in the E minor scale. <laughs> and then just pumping the E5, changing it to D. And then you know the got me feeling myself and reeling around. Super simple stuff and very funny lyrics. Uh, like, can uh, I? Yeah. Sure. Uh, can I jump immediately to a riff that I think this is somehow? I think it, it is like kind of the. Um, it's it's really based on this in my in my ears, and I think it, it also also how uh, when it was made. Uh, see if you. Uh, See if you hear which uh, song it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the Wicker Man. Yeah, and I think it's now when I heard Prowler, I mean, it really so it sounds like it, and it is like the restart of Iron yeah. Maiden. It really is, yeah. The really like that back to back to quality back with uh, Bruce Dickinson, and sure. uh, well, I just picked this riff and I just played it played it very shortly because I think it's such a it was such a powerful time for Maida. I mean, yeah. you you got Bruce Dickinson back, and you do like a tour. You do a, they do did a tour just before that with this, this Ed Hunter tour, yeah. which is a great video game. Sorry? 
A great setlist on that one. Really cool setlist. It was yeah. like a fan request and a good one actually. Um, yeah. Everyone a top game, but I mean, uh, of course, it was the return of Bruce Dickinson. That's the main point. But uh, for Maiden fans, a huge thing is that it was the return of Adrian Smith as mm. well, also. because he had been gone for a longer time, right? He left yeah. after he did the eighties. He didn't yeah. do the nineties at all. Yeah. And then you know the the show starts, the Brain New World tour. He comes up. He's mm. he has the spotlight. You know, uh, they're not running in and uh, doing the Maiden thing of running in into the first. Uh, active part of a song. Uh, instead, he's coming up alone and doing the... This completely, what could you call it, mundane riff in a sense, you know, that it's not, there's nothing new about it. No, but, but it's I just think... The, the I, energy, you know. Yeah, but somehow it echoes Prowler, you know, like a, really a restart. It's like the ultimate restart uh, yeah. riff. And... Uh, in my in my ear, I just heard it now. It might might be not be true, but I, I think so. Like you, you start off with just uh, the um, chugging, basically the chugging. I mean, it's not even a gallop. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a chuggery. Weird, weird. Uh, but anyway, I think I think um, yeah, I don't know if we were finished with. Uh, we, we I really made a time jump here, but I think it's okay in this uh, podcast. Yeah, it is all right, and especially in Maiden Mania, where no one knows what's going on. It's just like Maiden. Uh, with with totally anachronistic and uh, all over the place, which I like. To be continued. Hey, dear listener, you've managed to listen all the way through the first part of uh, I still don't know how many, three or four, I think, released over the coming two weeks in our Maiden Mania Game for Riffs special. So, thanks for listening. If you like it, tell your friends. You know the drill. And we'll be up with another episode this coming weekend, and then on Wednesday as per usual, and then probably followed by a fourth part the same week as that one. So, see ya!